for church this morning? Okay, great. This morning, the title of my sermon is Faith, in quotations, the Great Equalizer. Faith, the Great Equalizer. So are you ready? I know I'm a little warm in here, so that'll be great to turn that air down. So has anybody in here ever known anyone that was prettier than them? Don't raise your hand. We got people raising their hands all over the place. Smarter than them? Huh? Um, had a better house than them, had a better car than them, had a better job than them, had a better family than theirs. No, don't don't say anything on that one. Um, had a better spouse than theirs. No, don't say it for sure. Um, had, you know, uh, was richer than them. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Has anybody ever known anyone that had anything better than them? Lots of people, right? Well, I'm going to tell you how to level up the playing field this morning. Are you ready for it? Nobody can have anything better than you. Impossible. Impossible. For a plain yellow pumpkin to be... No. Um, and I'll tell you where I came from. I came from a family that my dad was hurt in an automobile accident when we were younger. And at the time, they had a thing called commodities. How many of you know what commodities are? Oh, that was way back before food stamps. That tells you how old I am. It was commodity cheese and commodity peanut butter. Do y'all remember that? Oh, we lived on commodities. Okay, and we lived on the creek, so we had to catch our own fish, and we had our own gardens, and we didn't know anything about a grocery store. The only thing you went to the grocery store for was, oh, I don't even remember what we went to the grocery store for, because we had our own cow, and we milked our own cow, and we churned our own butter. Hey, I was a country girl. You can't tell it by looking at me, but I was. And we didn't go to the store for anything, because we were too poor. I know you may not believe that, but both Keith and I grew up very, 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 very poor. I mean, Keith didn't even have a telephone until after we were married or indoor plumbing till after we were married. Wow is right. And we left and went to school, and the only thing that made us different than all the people around us was one thing. And we're going to talk about it this morning. So I know I can stand here before you today and say that there is only one thing different from me and my life than all the other people that was around me. Than everybody else I grew up with, everybody else I knew, everybody else that we were fellowshipping with, everybody else in our families, only one thing made the difference. One thing. So let's talk about it. Look at John 3 in the King James. It says, John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're going to go to verse 7. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, let's back up to verse 4. And I saw him handing out a Bible. If anybody needs a Bible, if you would, ushers, see if they could have one real quickly. You can borrow one of ours for a few minutes. Verse 4. Nicodemus said... How can a man be born when he is old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, who is the youngest child in here this today? A kid, stand up. Small child. Somebody that's got one in here, stand him up. All right, there you go. All right, y'all see that child, right? Is the mother st- anywhere close by? Dad? All right, there's ladies all around. How many of you would like to see that baby come out today? Huh? That would be a scary thing, right? And that's the smallest one in here. All right, Rob, stand up. You get my point? Unless somebody be born again, how's he going to be born again? Is he going to get back in mommy's womb? I could just see that happening with Rob when I was thinking about that this morning. Do you know what happened to Nicodemus? The same thing that happens to all of us is we immediately go to what? Our flesh. Our natural thinking. We immediately go to what we can see, what we can hear, what we can feel, what we can touch. That's who we are. That's all we know. We are not familiar enough with the spiritual realm. We're too familiar with the natural realm. And that's what Nicodemus' problem was. He knew the natural realm, but he didn't know the spiritual realm at all. So he says to him, verse 6, That which is born of flesh is flesh, but read the next part with me. That which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Nicodemus was just as much confused as when he said it the first time as when he walked away. But what did he do? He trusted Jesus, and he believed what he said, and he became born again. And how many of you, in your natural mind, cannot explain to me in here today how you got born again, or what happened in your mind, heart, soul, or body, exactly when you got born again? You just know you trusted God. You got in faith. You don't know what happened in your body. Right? How many of you? I mean, can you explain it to me in detail what happened? Nobody can. It's a faith thing. It is an act of faith that you, all of a sudden, trusted God that you were going to heaven and that all your sins were washed away. You didn't see any of that happening. Anything happened? Did anything change in your body? You became prettier. Huh? You lost 50 pounds. You became rich. Huh? Your husband or your wife started treating you better. Huh? When you got born again, everything in your world completely got better at that instant. Huh? then how do you know you got born again? What's that word? Faith. You got born again by faith and you knew it in your heart. You knew it instantly that you were going to heaven. And you felt something on the inside of you that you had never felt before. You felt this overwhelming peace. You felt this overwhelming joy. You knew that God was your Father. And you knew you were going to heaven. But did you understand it all? No way, no how. Could you explain it all? No. Well, let's look at something else. Ephesians. 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep going all the way down to 33. 
Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man yet ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence and respect her husband. Now, I know that was a lot to read, but I want to get a point across to you. Put back up, if you would, verse 32. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Put up verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall be... Now explain that to me. Somebody, some bright, scholarly, scriptorian in here this morning, explain to me how when you walked down that aisle and you stood before the minister and you said, I love you, honey. And he said, I love you more, honey. And you batted your eyes at each other. And he said, I pronounce you man and wife. And you walked out of there. You became one flesh. great mystery concerning what? Christ and the church. It is a great mystery concerning Christ and the church. What happened to you when you became born again? You became one with him. You became one with God. You became one with him. What people don't understand, the reason that people think marriage is not important, the reason that today's society does not understand marriage, the reason that so many people today think, oh, it's just no big deal. What's the big deal about it? It's just a piece of paper. How many ever heard that? Just a piece of paper. Because they do not understand or give value to the things of the Spirit. They're too fleshy. They're too carnal. They don't understand that God is a Spirit. And to the spiritual, things are real. And to the fleshy, things are fleshy. And the more carnal you are, the more fleshy you are, you don't understand the things of the Spirit. And the more spiritual you are, the more you understand the things of the Spirit. That's why you would hear people say, it doesn't matter if we get married in church. It doesn't matter if we stand before a minister. We don't need that piece of paper. What does it matter? Because in old times, did God pick ministers? Are you here? You're going home. In old times, did God pick the ministers? 
Was it very important who was a minister of God? Today, does God pick ministers? Now, I know people pick themselves, but does God genuinely pick ministers and choose who's his ministers? So when that happens and people stand before those ministers and they say, in the spirit, I now pronounce you man and wife or husband and wife. Does that carry any weight with God? Does it change anything in their life? Did it change anything when you became born again? Did your body change? Did your mind change? Did anything else in your life change? No. Did the same thing when you got married. These are spiritual things that are mysteries to us that we cannot understand. There are faith issues that we have to look to God. And the minute that you become united, you become one flesh in the eyes of God. He doesn't look at you as two separate people anymore. He looks at you as you are hooked and you're believing him together for this thing. That's why a marriage union is so valuable. That's why when you hook two people that are married together and they're on the same track and they're believing God together, it ain't no devil in hell that can stop them from doing what God's called them to do. Because they're one. A two-cord is hard to break. But the spiritual is a real thing. That verse again says, verse 32... This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, who is the church? Raise your hand if you're part of the church, if you've been born again, because you're going to like this next part. Now, are you clear on there's a difference between flesh and spiritual? I told you all that to help you to see that there's a difference between somebody that just lives in the flesh world and doesn't understand what it means to be born again. Is it hard to explain to a sinner what it means to be born again? Is it hard to explain to them what you feel like on the inside when you get filled with the Spirit? Have you ever tried to explain to somebody about being filled with the Spirit? Well, you talk in tongues. Uh, You do what? Is it hard to explain spiritual things to non-spiritual people? Have you almost beat your head up against a wall trying to explain it to them? Because they don't understand spiritual things. Because these things are a mystery to God's people. They, They... They understand things that the world don't understand. It's a mystery concerning Christ and his church. So look at this verse with me. They'll put it up on the screen. You don't even have to find it because it's where your pages are stuck together. Habakkuk, and it's just a little part of the verse I want you to see, so don't even take the time. Habakkuk 2.4 in the NIV. Just the last part I want you to see. The righteous will live by what? The righteous will live by his faith. Now, you said you were born again. So that meant immediately that you became righteous spiritually. That's what happened to you when you became born again. You became the righteousness of God in Christ. That is one of the things that you couldn't feel, you couldn't see, you couldn't touch. You became right standing with God immediately when you became born again. That's one of the things you can't explain that happened to you. You can't see it, you can't feel it, you can't touch it, but everything that you had done in your past became washed away and you became clean. So you became righteous. So that means you will do what? You will live by faith. Now, this is where the playing field becomes really, really, really fun. This is where you win. 
This is where no matter what was in your life before, it doesn't matter what your family was like. It doesn't matter if you're a man or if you're a woman, if you're old or if you're young. It doesn't matter if you were broke or if you were rich. It doesn't matter if you were a doctor or if you were a pauper. It doesn't matter your lot in life. It doesn't matter who your family was. It doesn't matter who your cousins were. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the United States or you're the lowest person digging through dumpsters. When you become saved and you get this verse, your life just changed. You're not excited enough. You don't understand what I'm saying. Have you ever seen one of those game shows? Where they've all got all these mega points and somebody's winning. And they say, now we're going to even it out and we're going to start at zero again. And no matter what the score was to start with, when they started at zero, somebody that was the lowest one, that's you. It does not matter who you are, where you came from, what you did, if you married the wrong person, if you were from across the tracks, if you were from the highest seat in the city, if you were married to the governor's daughter. It doesn't matter. Do you understand that? What matters is that verse. The just will now live by faith. The just will live by faith. And I know why you're not excited. Look at me with the next verse. I know exactly why you're not excited. You're not excited for the very same reason I wasn't excited when I first got saved. Look at me, if you would, please, to Luke uh, 8.22, and we'll go to 8.25 in the King James. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went unto a ship with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Keep going. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water, and they were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging water. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Read this next part with me. Where is your faith? And they being afraid wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Now let me ask you a question. Has there ever been any storms in your life? Huh? I know there's been storms in our life. And the very first thing that the Lord would ask you is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? So if you were here Friday night, I think it was on the Friday night. Maybe it wasn't the Saturday. My days are confused when Keith was teaching this. One of the first times we had to use our faith. We were believing God for rent money and bills. And we were believing. I thought we were believing. But it wasn't coming. Wasn't coming, wasn't coming, wasn't coming. So I went to him and I said, Keith, what's the deal? I thought we were in faith. What's with this faith stuff? I thought we were in faith. And he said, Phil, a lot of times with faith, you have other people affecting your faith. There's other people that are supposed to be given to you. And God wants to give them an opportunity not to be looked over, not to be missed. But I'll tell you this. If it takes God dealing with, and he named a person, he'll get us that in time that we need it. That's why sometimes things go right down to the wire. Because he's trying to deal with the right people. Well, anyway, sure enough, that person came and brought us exactly the amount of money that we were needing. How many of you 
cannot see your muscles. Huh? How many of you have not worked your muscles out in quite a long time? You don't have to raise your hand. I can see it. You're like me. Some of those muscles haven't seen a good working out in quite a while. Does that mean they don't exist? What happens when you work a muscle out really hard? Wait, what? 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 That flesh does what? That flesh screams really loud. When a muscle gets worked out really, really, really hard, that flesh screams. And sometimes you didn't even know that muscle existed till you worked it out. You didn't even know you had a muscle in the back of your armpit right there till you went and worked in that garden for three days. And you found out, man, there's a muscle there. It's just hurting me. But it said, I'm here. I'm here. I exist. You ever seen those bodybuilders? Can you see every muscle on their body? I mean, they've shaved it. They've oiled it down. They don't wear any clothes to make sure you can see every muscle on their body. Is that right? Well, faith people are just like that. They're exactly the same way. You have some people with their faith, they've used... Just exactly the same thing. It is such an amazing illustration. You have some people that have really good, what are these called, biceps? You can see their biceps. Every time they move their arm, they go. You can, you can tell I've really worked mine out. Yeah. And everything they do, they, they put it in a pose where you can see it, you know. But don't let them take their shirt off. Their gut's going to go. Am I telling the truth? Because they've learned how to work this bicep, but they've also, you know how they learned how to work that bicep? I'm just joking. Come on. It's good to laugh in church. But my point is, they know how to work this muscle. They know how to believe God when it comes to their marriage. They've learned. They don't have any more fights. They've learned. Them and their wife get along great. They've learned. Them and their kids are doing well. They have a great marriage. Things are good at home. But let's talk about these finances for a minute. Let's talk about we need to believe God for some money. Don't open that shirt up. That gut's going to fall out everywhere. Why? Why? Because they never work that area of their life. They never use their faith in that area of their life. They use their faith for biting their tongue for their marriage because they know what? That wife may beat them up. Example. It's a joke. Come on. (laughs) Or they know they're going to have to live with it for the next few days. But for their finances, 
They've not done anything. They just say, oh, Lord, what are we going to do about these bills? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The light bill's due. The phone bill's due. The gas bill's due. And the kid's tuition is due. And if we don't get this done, we're going to lose the house. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We never have enough money. It just seems like when this gets fixed, that breaks. And you're exercising, all right. The wrong direction. The wrong direction. And then what about healing? Don't look at their calves or their legs. They can't get in a pair of pants these days, especially these new ones, the skinny leg things. Man, you couldn't, they'd have to buy four pairs and take them in at the waist five times. Because they never exercise their legs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Healing? No way. They're not going to get up off the couch, move to do anything. They're going to just sit there. I can't move. No, it hurts when I move. Oh, I can't do it. No. Not use their faith for anything. Faith is a muscle. It has to be operated. It has to be used. And you can become a muscle man just like those people that are slicked down, oiled down. Don't take a picture of that. I refuse to be, for that to be seen again. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get in your pose. You start using all your muscles. You know, it would look really bad if those muscle people were going to go up there and pose and they were going to try to win a trophy. And where's, where's Max in them? Where are they sitting? Stand up. Come here, y'all. Come. Yeah, where's your wife? Uh-huh. Why am I standing up here doing all that posing? Come up here and do some posing for me. There you go. Do, do me a pose. Yeah, do me a pose. Yeah, see, there you go. She works out all the time. She leads all these clothes. Look at how good looking she is. See? Strike me a pose. Come on. Yeah, there you go. There, see? See? Yeah, look at her. Yeah, there you go. Look at her. She, this clothes doesn't do her any favors whatsoever. But what would she look like if all she worked out and she went to enter one of these contests was her lower body? If, if When she went to the gym, the only thing she worked out was her lower body. You think she'd win this contest? Do you understand what I'm saying? What if her faith only worked out one part of her life? No. With your faith, you have to work from the bottom to the top. Is that right? When you teach, do you teach to work the top to the bottom? You don't just work your fingers or your hands or your arms. You work top to bottom. Is that right? Top to bottom. Thank you, beautiful. (laughs) And that's what we have to do. Faith is no respecter of persons, but God is a respecter of your faith. And if you will begin to use your faith, then you can have anything that you can believe for. You can become the wealthiest person in the whole wide world, but you have to use your faith. You have to use that muscle. And what happens when you use a muscle that you hadn't used in a while? It hurts. It hurts. And that's the way it is when you use faith. When you first start using your faith in an area, sometimes it appears it ain't nothing going to happen. And you have to stand. And you have to stand firm. And when everybody else around you quits, you have to stand. And when everybody else calls you a dummy and an idiot and you look really, really dumb, how dumb do you think Noah looked when he was building that ark? mighty 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 dumb but he's still alive and his family's still alive and they called him names and they called him fruitcake and they called him nutcase but he stood firm and he used his faith and he believed God because God told him to do it and that's
guess what we have to do? If you will use your faith, it does not matter if you're believing God for healing. It doesn't matter if you're believing Him for finances. It doesn't matter if you're believing Him for your flaky jake kids. It doesn't matter if you're believing Him for your flaky jake mother-in-law. All it takes is your faith. It equalizes every situation. It puts you on a level playing field. Nobody can be richer than you. Nobody in the whole wide world. You know why? Because you have the mind of Christ. And God will tell you every situation what to do. All you have to do is look to Him. And He'll say, okay, go do this. Go do that. Go buy this. Don't do that. But you know the problem with that is? I know. Okay, I'm going to step on some toes right now, so pull them up under your chair. All right, here we go. Keith and I went to school at Raymond. When we got there, we knew little to none about faith. But we were smart enough to know that. Did you get it? Keith and I went to Ramah. But when we got there, we knew, we knew little to none about faith. And we were smart enough to listen to our elders that did. That had been in it for decade after decade after decade. And had had things happen in their life time after time after time after time again. And when they would tell us something, we wouldn't argue with them. And we wouldn't go on and do our own thing. When they would tell us something, and I don't mean they would sit us down in a one-to-one and tell us something. I remember specifically. You want to know? Okay. What about the rest of y'all? I remember specifically these things. Brother Hagen said, we got to school. And he said, now some of you can raise your hand. Raise your hand if you heard him say this. If you have your drawers at home and they're all cluttered up with junk, your life is cluttered up. How many of you heard him say that? Raise your hand, please. How many of you went home instantly and cleaned out your drawers? Two people. I did. Why? Because I honored and respected his place in my life. I honored and respected that he was a man of God. And if the man of God got that while he was speaking under the anointing, and he said, if your drawers are cluttered, you're cluttered. He said it under the anointing in the pulpit. He's called of God. He's anointed of God. He is a man of God who's had multiple visions of the God of God, who was raised from the dead. And if he says, your drawers are cluttered, you're cluttered. Huh? Now, there's a lot of people that went to Ramah. Hundreds of thousands, probably. I don't know the numbers of people that's gone to Ramah. You all in here know Ramah. How many of you hear from these days? How many of them do you hear about these days? Huh? How many of them do you hear about their ministries these days? How many of them do you think they took what the prophet of God said to heart? Believe the prophet and what? So shall you prosper. So many people have their mind set on that doesn't make any difference. 
doesn't make any difference what they told me. They're just a man. Doesn't make any difference. Brother Hagin said this. I'm going to step on some toes. Are you ready? I didn't say it. Brother Hagin said it. Okay, mark this down. Brother Hagin said this. Okay, let me quote it again. Brother Hagin said this. If you can't control your body, you can't control your life. If you overeat in your body all the time, you can't control your life. You should live a fasted life. How many of you ever, ever heard him say that? I lost close to 100 pounds. Brother Hagen said it. Now, do I worship Brother Hagen as a person? Absolutely not. Did he have faults? 100%. Everybody has faults. The only perfect one was Jesus. But did God put Brother Hagen in my life for me to learn from? Did he put him in a pulpit in front of me and say, I anoint you, Brother Hagen, to say these words? Was he under the anointing? Do I believe he's a man of God? If I don't, then why am I listening to him? I never once, and I can say that with all boldness, I can say it with all sincerity, I can say it with uh, you looking straight directly in my face, I can say it with God as my witness. Never once did Brother Hagin say something that I thought... I need to judge that. I need to see if that applies in my life. I need to see if, that, if I need to do that or not. Because what I thought was, if God told me to listen to this man, and God told me to do what he says, then I will not be accountable for doing what he says. See how quiet it got? God told us to go sit under Brother Hagin and listen to what he said and do what he said. That is why you don't see more people reaching the heights. I'm going to say it as boldly as I know how that they should reach because they have to dissect everything that everybody above them tells them and say, no, this ain't for me. Nope, this applies to somebody else. Oh, they would need to hear that. Oh, they would... Everything he told us. I've got some more things written down. You want to hear them? Or is it that just big plenty? Okay. I'll go back to my notes in a minute, my other part. He said, um, pray. He said, pray all the time. He said, pray every day. He He said, spend time with the Lord, pray. He said, he would talk to us about spending an hour praying. And hitting gushers. How many of you remember that? He didn't hit the gusher the first time, so he spent another hour praying, and he didn't hit the gusher that time. He said, you need to pray till you hit a gusher. How many of you remember that? He said it lots. So I'd pray. I would pray till I knew I hit the anointing and that the Holy Ghost would hook with me. I would pray till I knew I'd heard from God. I would pray till I knew I got the answer I was seeking. He'd say, I never go longer than three days in my life without getting an answer. How many of you ever heard him say that? Why did he not go over three days without getting an answer? Huh? Because he would put himself in this Bible and read it and find the scriptures and stand on them. Then he would pray. You tell people that today, and they're like, just hook your faith with me and pray. Just believe with me. They don't want to take the time to do it the way God said do it. They have their own ideas. They have their own ways. They don't want to listen to what their elders are telling them. We, we can tell people, we can say, God said... I know, I prayed. And if you know anything about me at all, I don't tell you something unless I know I heard from God on it. Is this correct? Is this correct? I don't. I don't care how bad your situation is. 
going to tell you because my opinion doesn't mean anything. I don't care how bad your situation is. I won't counsel you. I won't talk to you until I know God has told me something. But when he does and I say, God says it would be good for you to work in the parking lot. You'll get some answers out there. You'll get what you need. And you come back to me and you say, it's not my place. It's not where I need to be. God didn't tell me that. Then I'm like, can't help you. Can't help you. Why did Keith Moore and Phyllis Moore life totally change and we begin to be able to pay our bills and do word production centers totally debt free? And give away tapes by the millions and messages by the hundreds of thousands and millions. Because we listen to people that knew about faith. We listen to people that knew how to make it work. We listen to people that had done it for decades. And it's not just about living by faith. It's about honoring God. The scripture says, have faith in your faith. Huh? No. It says, have faith in God. You can't have faith in your faith. And you can't have faith in God unless you do what he says. You can't have faith in God unless you do what his anointed people over you tell him to do. Tell you to do. And it's not about us. It's about if God directed you here just the same way. Don't kid yourself. I'm going to tell you a few stories now that you're going to think, Brother Hagen? Yes. My loving father, Brother Hagen. I loved him. He was my spiritual father, and I have a right to call him that. I'll tell you why. I have probably been chewed on by him more than any human in the whole human race. (laughs) We were at prayer time. Everybody's around the altar praying. Praying, 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 praying. Prayed for probably an hour and a half. Everybody's praying. Praying, praying, praying. It's a morning prayer time. Praying, praying, praying. I'm just over here on my knees praying. There's a gentleman right next to me, most likely trying to impress me because he knew I was Keith Moore's wife. That was my name, Keith Moore's wife. (laughs) The whole time we were praying, he's going, glory, glory, yes, hallelujah, glory, glory. We're supposed to be praying. Prayer service ends. Brother Hagen makes a beeline for me. I mean, he's here. He dismisses the service. We're sitting here. He goes, I said, hi, Dad. Why didn't you stop him? I'm like, Dad, I'm not in charge of this. Why didn't you stop him? He disrupted the whole service and you let him be right beside you and you didn't stop him. I'm like, this is not my service. It's not my church. I'm just here. I'm... Why didn't you stop him? No excuses with him. I'm just Keith Moore's wife. I was just a little... Who was I to stop him? I mean, the pastor probably would have... I didn't know if it was the pastor's son. I didn't know if it was the pastor. Who... Why didn't you stop him? Now, I had, a, I had a, a choice then. Huh? What was my choice? What was my choice with Brother Hagen, the prophet of God? I was just praying, Dad. I was just minding my own business. What's it to me? I could have got very, very offended, went to Keith, got him upset with Brother Hagen. Huh? 
We could have lost our place. We could have lost everything we had. We could have left. Would that have been God? I said, you're right, Dad. I missed it. I blew it. I should have. I should have just said, hey, you know what? We're praying right now. It's been real easy. It's been better to offend him than him. Right? Now, don't get me wrong. Dad was the kind-heartedest man you'd ever want to meet till you mess with him about ministry. Don't mess with him about ministry. There were several things like that, that people did things. And he found out about it later, and he'd come to me, and he'd say, why? And I'd be like, why? I mean, I owned his shirts. I'll never forget this one. He was having a bad day. I ironed his shirts before every service. And he had worn this one. He'd, he'd run short this particular time for some reason. I think we had an extra service or something. So he said, uh, and amazing, he never sweat in a service. Go figure. So I re-ironed this shirt. And he couldn't find his cufflinks, and it was 15 minutes before service time. And I got a, phone, a call on my phone. Phyllis, where's my cufflinks? I said, Dad, I didn't see him. Well, you had to see them. They were in my shirt. I'm like, oh, Dad, they were not. I'm, I, I'll, I'll come look. So I'm over there hunting and hunting and hunting, and he'd laid them out on the bathroom counter. Well, what, what causes things like that? I'm trying to teach you something. Are you listening? Yes. The elder jumped on me. I'm not trying to paint you a bad picture of Brother Hagen. I'm trying to teach you something. The elder jumped on me. Was he mad at me? He was dealing with 5,000 other things. And I happened to be the one that was there at the time. And you know what? He is human. You human? You ever made a mistake? Now, you have a choice at that point in time to make a decision and get offended or say, Dad, I'll find them for you. You'll be ready for service in no time. I'll help Mom finish getting ready. You finish getting ready. We'll be ready for service in time and have it ready for a peace atmosphere for him to go minister to people. Or you can get all bent out of shape because he jumped on you and you can lose your cool and you can bring an atmosphere of strife, you can bring an atmosphere of contention, and you can cause more problem than you did good. And is that why we were there to serve them? Our job was to help. And today, so many people with the things of God... If people don't say things to them in just exactly the right tone, in exactly the right way, or exactly the way that they think it needs to come across, they totally lose it. I learned more about faith from this man than anybody in the whole wide world. I also learned how to deal with situations just like that. I could get into detail about what was going on in his life when that was going on. I saw him handle the biggest and humongous stresses and things that could go on. And that was the greatest thing he did was ask me where his cufflinks were. When most people would have fallen apart and not even been able to do a service. They'd have been home, shut up in their room, crying with the door shut. And all he did was ask me where his cufflinks were. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is faith. Now you got quiet on me. But it is faith. Faith is not pretending like things are not going on in your life. Faith is like picking up the pieces and saying, okay, I didn't handle that right. Let's get up and do it again. Faith is like, okay, I had a bad day today, but I'm not quitting. We're going at it again. Faith is not this make-believe stuff that people have made it out to be. Now, I can stand up here and make it like a lot of people have made it to you in your lives and just say faith is just going to fall on you. It's just going to be like, you know, sugar off of a blossom and it's just going to go zip and it's going to fall on you. But it's not. Faith hurts sometimes when you're standing for a while and things don't happen overnight for you. 
faith hurts like that muscle hurts when it's screaming at you and everybody around you don't understand and you're having to stand. And maybe you're in faith about something and you take something out on your wife. Well, maybe she needs to be strong enough to take it because you're standing with everything you've got to be able to stand for that thing. Maybe you need people around you that when you walk in the church door and this, you're standing for a job and you're standing for a job and you're standing for a job. And maybe you yell at somebody. Everybody around you says they got to be standing for something. If they yelled at me, I'm going to hook with them because something's going on in their life. I know they're standing. I know they need something. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to be the one. That's what faith people do. What do you do when you're stressed? Honest. What do you do when you're stressed? Huh? Huh? Anybody get frustrated and take it out on somebody else? Huh? Well, if you've got anybody around you that loves you, you're going to go, Hey, I've done it. I love you. We're hooked with you. They shouldn't have to say a thing. We should be a believer, a body of believers, that when you come in this door, if you ain't smiling, you should say, hooked with you, it's going to be okay, I don't know what it is, but we are faith people, God's going to help you, it's going to, it's going to be okay. Instead of when somebody says something short to you, you get offended and you walk away and you say, they didn't say that right, they didn't even notice my new sweater. What are you sowing then? And I'm not saying it's right for them to jump on you. And I'm not giving you a carte blanche to go in and jump on somebody. But what I am saying is, if you happen to be around somebody that does that, then you be mature enough to say, hooked with you. Going to be okay. Maybe your spouse jumps on you. Maybe your mom jumps on you. Maybe your brother jumps on you. Maybe somebody takes it out on you. The only reason I told you that story about Brother Hagin is never to make him look bad. I would never want to dishonor him. He is the greatest man of God I know. The greatest man of God I've ever had the privilege of working with. But I tell you that to tell you. The ministry was dealing with this. His wife was dealing with this. His grandkids were dealing with this. It was a tough time. It was a tough time. And all he did was fuss for five minutes about where his cufflinks were. Now, I could have lost my cool and got offended. We made a joke about it all the way to the church. And Mom said, jumping on the cistern. (laughs) I said, better than jumping on the brethren. Dad loved me. We had a rapport like no other. He picked on me all the time. He bit me one time. (laughs) He was my dad. He was my dad. That's what family does. He wasn't always the minister in the pulpit, but I knew when to change hats. But what I'm saying to you is faith needs people around it. We can be the most beautiful. We can be the most wealthy. We can be the most people that can overcome. We can be the most people that have, if you're believing for your body to be a certain way, stand. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's sometimes easier to run in there and take three Tylenol or four Tylenol throughout the day than it is to stand and say, no, headache, go away. Or sometimes it's easier just to say, no, I'm going to sue them, than it is to stand and say, no, I'm going to start over and I'm going to do it God's way. Faith is not always the easy way, but it is the right way. It's God's way. And the thing about faith is it is the spiritual way. And you cannot see. It is the mystery of Christ. You cannot see the end result. But it's way better than the flesh way. And it will give you everything your heart desires. 
and there's nobody that can be smarter than you, richer than you, better looking than you, have a flatter tummy than you. But it's going to take you using every muscle in your body. And it hurts when you exercise when you have it for a while. It flat does. It puts that flesh under. It's spiritual. I got a few more things he said, but if he said give to a project, and I know what time it is, we didn't ask was it the right project or if we were supposed to give to it. Our elder said, this is what God told me. Huh? I said, okay, Keith, we got to quit drinking our Cokes for a little bit. We got to quit eating out for a little bit. He said, give. We believe God. We give. He He said, I got this. You got this. We give. We didn't question it. I don't understand how people question the people that God puts in their life. It's like they get to pick and choose what about God that they believe from them. And it's why they don't go anywhere with God. I'm totally convinced. If he said, go to this meeting or attend, we go. I remember one time Brother Copeland said this. There was a funeral going on. And he called and he said, y'all go into this? And we thought, we have this going, we have this going. He said, I think it'd be good to go. We didn't have the extra money to go. We had to get the airplane ready. We had to do this. We had to cancel meetings. We had to cancel this. Brother Copeland said, I think it'd be good for y'all to go. Honor them. We said, yes, sir. We're on our way. You honor God, he will honor you. That's the way it works with God. It's not just about believing him for things. It's about doing things his way. You have faith in God. And he'll have faith in you. Glory to God. Stand up with me.